0: Wherever you are, whether it's in your business, in your relationships, as a parent, um, in your health, I can guarantee you it's usually not a strategy problem. The strategies are all around us. It's usually a you problem, and every step along the way, when you get to a certain place where you probably don't think you're good enough, et cetera, you will hold yourself back. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster the show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high-performance mind, body, and lifestyle.
1: Hi, friends. If you have ever had to really dig deep for something or you're trying to create something new in your life, something that's challenging, you're kind of leaving part of you behind and creating a new self, um, overcoming something that feels insurmountable, then you're going to really, really get so much from this episode today because I am sitting down with the incredible JJ Virgin and she just has the most unbelievable story of challenge and growth and succeeding with so much against her. Um, She went through a terrible stage in her life where after an argument with her son Grant, when he was 16, he ran out of the house really quickly like steaming cross. And just hours later, she heard the terrible news that while Grant was crossing the street, he was struck down by a hit-and-run driver and left for dead. And he was clinging to life in the hospital with 13 fractures, multiple brain bleeds, and a torn aorta, which actually kills 90% of people immediately. And you'll hear from JJ about how They went with a positive mindset and took the small chance that he had of survival. She was launching a book at the same time when she was going through this. She was betting everything on its success. She'd taken an advance paycheck from the publishers um, and invested it in producing a PBS television show to promote the book and her brand. And literally just as she's at that make or break moment, um, the tragedy hit and she had to come overcome what seemed like insurmountable hurdles and it's just an incredible story to listen to her and she has such an empowering mindset she is also an absolute expert on weight loss specifically for women and overcoming hormonal issues and really dealing with any kind of weight loss experience you're you may be experiencing Um, so it's really interesting on so many levels this episode Um, she is a triple board certified nutrition expert and fitness hall of famer and JJ is a passionate advocate of eating and exercising smarter she helps people stay fired up and healthy as they age so that they can feel the best that they have ever felt at 40 plus she's also a prominent TV and media personality Um, she's been on many shows in the US including Dr. Oz and the Today Show she's a regular speaker and has shared the stage with notable people such as Seth Godin, Lisa Nichols, Gary Vaynerchuk, Mark Hyman, Dan Butner, and Mary Morrissey. Um, she's also the author of four New York Times selling books, The Virgin Diet, The Virgin Diet Cookbook, JJ Virgin's Sugar Impact Diet, and JJ Virgin's Sugar Impact Diet Cookbook. And her latest book, Warrior Mom, Seven Secrets to Bold, Brave Resilience, shows caregivers everywhere how to be strong, positively Leaders for their families, while exploring the inspirational lessons that JJ learned as she fought for her son's life. This is an incredible episode. You, this is something that you may want to listen to multiple times. There are so many gems in it. And JJ really shares and teaches us how we can cre- create an empowering mindset, how we can dig deeper than we ever thought was possible, and how we need to burn the boats if we really want to live our truly best life and how we can really create an empowering new self so without further delay let me introduce you now to the absolutely incredibly inspiring and lovely jj virgin so i am absolutely thrilled to be joined today by jj virgin it's so totally awesome to have you here on the show today jj how are you welcome
0: i am great thankful to be here
1: yeah, so exciting. I have so many questions for you. Um, but let's kick off with a bit of background story because not everyone, um, I do have a big UK audience and they may not be familiar with the incredible story of how you saved your son's life. And I just think you have such a powerful mindset. Um, I was reading actually today that when he was hospitalized and you can share more of the story that he was given like a, a 0.2% survival <laughs> chance through the first night, which is, uh-huh. I don't know how any mother, I don't know how I'd cope with that, with those odds, but the way that you approached it. So please share a little
0: bit of the background on that. First. All right. And here's, what's important about all of this. And it's funny. Cause I wrote the book warrior mom. It actually was first titled miracle mindset, but then I just didn't like the title. So I switched it. Um, And when I read the book, people were like, how did you do it? And I go, I don't know. I just, you know, those were just, it was just in me. Reality was that I had a mentor at age 30 who for six months, I thought she was training me on how to be successful in business. And literally for six months, it was, it was like going to mindset school. And so when this accident happened, the way that I responded was because it was so ingrained in me that i didn't even have to think and i think that's really important because mindset is a muscle here you know carol dweck talks about growth versus fixed mindset the fixed mindset is that person and we all know that person is the person goes oh you know that happened to me and they're the victim and one of the things that my mentor kay used to say is there are no victims only volunteers and the person with the growth mindset said well that happened for me And, you know, what can I do with this? And in the moment you might not be thinking, oh, wow, that's so great. It happened for me, you know, but when you get a little perspective and you can look at it, it can really be those defining moments in your life that, that change everything that change the entire trajectory of your life and everyone around you, which is what happened with this. So that's the pre-frame of it. So this was a couple of weeks before the Virgin Diet was coming out and it's, this isn't in the book. So I had invested everything into that book. I got a great advance, um, a big, you know, mid six figure advance for the book. I invested it all in the book and I borrowed too. And I was the sole financial support for my kids. And they were 15 and 16. So this thing had to go. Like if it didn't go, and I'm—I granted, I am a risk taker. I'm like that classic crazy entrepreneur. But this was like a little bit, I was on the cliff, right? And so now it's a couple of weeks before the book is getting ready to launch, which is the craziest time. I have a public television special coming out. I'm doing the videos for that. I've got this huge book launch with all of these partners, all this stuff ready to go. I'm not quite done with it though. And uh, I come home from taping videos. My 16 year old son leaves the house to go to a friend's house. And along the way, he's crossing the street and he gets hit by a car. Now, from what we heard, the car was probably going 40 miles an hour. We don't know for sure because it was a hit and run. The woman got out of her car, gasped and drove off. Our neighbor saw her do that because he pulled around to protect my son who was lying in the street. And she, uh, he called 911. <laughs> The paramedics and the police came and he was airlifted to the local hospital. Now, we didn't know any of this. And we just were so fortunate that my other son and my my kid's dad drove by the scene, like literally 30 minutes later, and they were still cleaning up. And one of the policemen said, a boy got hit and he looked just like you and looked at Bryce because they were a year apart. They looked the same. So we all jumped in the car. We raced to the hospital. They're not telling us anything because at this point, he's a John Doe. He didn't have any information on him. We get ushered into a conference room where the doctor tells us that he has a torn aorta, which, by the way, that's what killed Princess Diana, kills 90% of people on the scene. And he said this torn aorta is literally hanging on by onion skin, and it's going to rupture sometime in the next 24 hours if it's not repaired. However, he also has multiple brain bleeds. He's in a deep coma still his brain activity, but in a deep, deep coma. And if we were to do this type of surgery here, we would we couldn't do it because it would cause his brain to bleed out. We have to use a blood thinner. It's a very specialized surgery that very few doctors in the country do. Beyond that, he also had 13 fractures. He literally, when I went to see him on the stretcher, he, had, he was on a ventilator. He had a tube coming out of his brain to, to monitor the pressure on his brain. But I remember looking at him because he literally had glass sticking out of his skin, like glass. He had bones sticking through his skin. He, both of his femurs had snapped in half. His chin had, uh, tibia had snapped. He'd crushed his heel. He, I mean, it was just like you, you, you literally as a parent, look at this and think this is not real. Like I couldn't, you know, my brain was going a movie. This is not real. And, uh, the doctor said, you know, he, sometime in the next 24 hours, he's going to die. He'd never survive the airlift to that next hospital that was in Los Angeles. We were in Palm Springs, California. It was about a four hour drive or a 30 minute helicopter ride. He said, you know, even if you were to survive that airlift, he'd never survive the surgery. And even if he were to survive both of those things, and this is what really like, uh, you know, we are all looking at this doctor now. He said, he'd be so brain damaged. It wouldn't be worth it. Now my son Bryce, Uh and, and this is why it's so important, like to think about how you are, with your kids. Cause my son Bryce and my son Grant, you know, were raised by me. And I had this mindset I'd been trained on it when I was 30. So Bryce is looking at this doctor and he said, well, sounds like maybe a 0.25% chance he'd make it. And the doctor said, yeah, that sounds about right. And he goes, well, that's not zero. We'll take those odds. And, you know, we looked at him and he's definitely going to die here. So why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you attempt it? But I literally drove through the night to get to this next hospital having no idea if he survived the airlift and then but when we get to this next hospital five surgical teams this first doctor is like i got this don't worry we do this all the time you know <laughs> just, you just go upstairs i'll show you where you can hang out and i'll come tell you it's all done and literally put the stint in came up he said it's all done but i don't know if he'll ever wake up and it was really interesting the whole way through and it's such a clear thing on mindset because Hey, I didn't have obviously like it was out of my control whether he was going to live or die, but was was in my control was the the vision I was going to hold for him, and I was so clear with him. And I stood holding his two fingers. I remember in the hospital after the first twenty four hours, where he'd survived the airlift, survived the surgery. He'd had five surgical teams working on him to fix his, you know, put rods in his femurs and and put the implant in and all of that. And he's now in a deep coma. They said he can't hear me, which I've never believed that people in a coma can't hear you. And I have proof that they can't. So just be aware of that if you are working with someone in a coma. So I'm holding his two fingers because they're the only thing that wasn't covered in a bandage or road rash. And I said, Grant, your name means warrior and I need you to fight. And the nurse is kind of looking by with pity and nothing's happening. And she's like, he's not going to respond. And then I said, Grant, your brother Bryce loves you so much. And I feel a little finger squeeze. And I'm thinking, okay, I've had no sleep. Like, clearly I'm crazy. I'm delirious. I'm imagining it. So I said, then said, your grandma loves you so much, got nothing. And then I said, your girlfriend, Mackenzie loves you so much. And I got a squeeze and a little try to lift my fingers off the bed. And that's when I did this, you know, what a lot of people will call like uh, future casting, putting you into your future self. I said, Grant, you're going to be 110%. This is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. You have to fight. I'm bringing in all the resources that you need. And that's it, like this is your piece. And I just held that vision. And I will tell you, it took eight years. And most of the time, that vision did not look like it was gonna play out. In fact, even when I was writing the book, he tried to kill himself multiple times. It's one of the things that can happen with a brain injury is you get very suicidal. And I'm writing a book and I realized the book really wasn't about whether he survived, the book is how you show up in those situations, which I think is a really important distinction. I had some people who, um, when the book came out, actually posted hateful things on my Facebook page. Oh, sure. It's easy for you. Your child survived. And I'm like, I'm not discounting anyone who loves their child. I'm showing you like, however this is. And all the way through, I kept seeing him, you know, try and kill himself. And I realized, gosh, I might be publishing a book and my child is not here anymore, but that's not the point. And so It is so key critical for all of us to think about what is ours to do in terms of how we show up because we control that piece. We may not control, especially now, all this crazy stuff going on, but we can control how we show up and how we perceive things, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to just speak to you about that because obviously like 95% of it is controlled by the subconscious mind, but what you're very powerfully doing is only allowing certain things into the conscious mind and catching them very quickly, right? So you're either going to reject or cancel a thought that doesn't fit with what you've decided in that scenario, but people find this very difficult when you talk about this future pacing, because this applies on any level, right? Your situation was terribly difficult to actually go through that experience. Um, the inner strength that you must have is so, so powerful, but people can well, use when it's this. your
0: kid. It's a whole different story, right? Like, uh. you know, you hear about moms picking up cars off their kids. I can tell you that when it's your own child, there's, and people are always like, I, can't, I don't know how you did that. I go, just if this were your child, you'd be amazed what you can do. You find it in you, yep. um,
1: but you can use this, what you're speaking of there in any situation, any situation where you're trying to create a new self, whether somebody's trying to lose weight, whether they're trying to achieve something in their business, which I know you help people do um, extensively. How can they create that future self and hold
0: that so powerfully in their mind that they don't deviate from it? Oh my gosh. It's, I'm so glad you're saying this stuff. Cause here's the thing. If you don't create it, it's created for you. Like it's getting mm-hmm. created one way or the other. You may think, oh, I can never lose the weight. I'm always going to be overweight. Well, you just created it for yourself, right? So one way or the other, it is being created. I'll tell you a really interesting story of how I was first introduced to this. And when I wrote the the book and we were selling Miracle Mindset to the publishers, they're like, but you're a diet book writer. You write about weight loss. You don't write about mindset. I go, it's all mindset. Like the single (laughs) biggest thing I do in every single book, everywhere I start is I start with mindset. You know, it's just, it's easier to sell, drop seven foods, lose seven pounds, just seven days, than you know, change that mindset that's holding you back and keeping you trapped because that's the reality, whether wherever you are, whether it's in your business, in your relationships, as a parent, um, in your health. I can guarantee you, it's usually not a strategy problem. The strategies are all around us. It's usually a you problem. And every step along the way, when you get to a certain place where you probably don't think you're good enough, et cetera, you will hold yourself back. So I was working with a doctor. It was kind of funny because he was a bariatric doctor. So he, he worked in obesity, except that he was obese. And I it was always like the <laughs> elephant in the room. I'm kind of like going, hmm, you know, you're obese working in obesity. But he said, you know, I have something I use with my patients and when they do it, they hundred percent of them all succeed. And I'm like, all right, well, tell me what this one is. And he goes, and it doesn't cost anything. I'm like, okay, I'm totally sold. It must be really, really hard. Well, all he would have them do is take a picture of the body that they so wanted to embody, like the one that was right for them and put their face on it. That simple so that they could actually see themselves there. Like Wayne Dyer says, you'll see it when you believe it. Well, everything's created twice. First, you have to believe it here. First, you have to see it in your mind's eye in order to create it on reality. So if you've got some whole weird thing about your health and your weight that you're not worthy and you're not good enough, and the reason I say that is I queried my community a couple of years ago, and I said, "Well, if you're not where you want to be in your health and weight, why not?" And it was like, "I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy." I'm like, "Oh, wow, that's not what I would have expected." But if anywhere in your life, if you've got some some internal dialogue, self-talk, limiting belief, victim talk that's there, you, you got to see past it and put yourself. Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this. You know, put yourself into that future person so clearly, feel everything. Your body doesn't know the difference. So you just have to be there now, you know, not not Ram Dass, be here now, be there now, right? Be there now and feel what it feels like, like really put yourself there, go into your daily meditation and be so there that your body already knows that you're there. Like I saw Grant so there, I knew it was just time that he would be there. It just was going to take time. And hopefully that he wouldn't, you know, manage anything horrible to himself along the process while we're healing his brain. So that's the thing. It's like getting the emotion, really understanding whatever that thing is, that clarity of focus of the thing you most want. How does, how, who is that person? How do they live? How do they feel? What are they experiencing? Right.
1: Mm. And that's the key thing, isn't it? As well, as you've got to really, really want it. Because if you don't really want it, you're never, ever going to be compliant or put in the discipline and the work that's required
0: right. to have it. Because there's always yeah, a price to a Yeah, Don't have a goal. Yeah, don't have a goal. That's true. Yeah. I remember early on, I had someone, uh, I, I was in a multi-level marketing company. This is in my 20s. It's, it, actually, it was in my 30s. It was when I met that mentor. And um, there was a teaching that said, it's not the how, it's the why. It was this whole thing of like, if you, if your why is big enough, the how shows up. And which nowadays we all know, but back then it was like the craziest idea ever, but it's true. Like if there's something, you know, um, in the book I talk about, if you want to take the island, you got to burn all the boats. Well, here's Grant. He's lying in a, in a hospital bed in a coma. I'm telling him he's going to be 110%. I know most of what I'm going to do is not going to be paid by insurance. And if I don't make the book go big, I'm bankrupt. And so, you know, I didn't have a, I put stuff in place, but the, the hows weren't super clear, but the why was so big that that book became a New York times bestseller. It was on the list for like 26 weeks and, um, you know, launched everything. And I often wonder if I didn't have that big of a, why, how successful would it have been? But success was no longer optional. Right.
1: Uh. Yeah, make the Y so big. Um, I want to come back to just how you managed your stress and energy, because that's so important as well when we talk about, in a moment, things like metabolism and and really helping women that are 40 plus get in shape. But just Mm -hmm. to finish on that mindset piece, there must have been times, particularly when you're being directly challenged with the situation. You know, Your son is trying to take his own life afterwards. you know, This went on for eight years. It wasn't a quick, he's out of hospital now, he's better. Um, the doubts must have come in. And this is the bit that people really struggle with, because maybe in their mind, they future pace themselves. They've got this massive why. They want to achieve it. What about those niggling doubts that come in of like, can I really do this? Can I really achieve it? How do you approach that? And what would you suggest to people?
0: So for me, if a doubt comes in, like I so couldn't have those doubts come in because to me, the doubt, if there was a little bit of a doubt, then then the whole thing could fall apart. So how I got out of the doubting was by getting into action, even the littlest bit, bit of action. So I always had, what's the next thing that I can do to help him with forward progress? And I think that's what's so important. If we sit and we don't do anything, we're going to be scared and have doubts, but you take one step and then the next step. And, you know, I always had a lot of options out there and I just kept moving forward and some worked and a lot didn't work. And I hear from people, I go, Oh, I tried that. That didn't work. I Well, try something else then keep (laughs) trying, Like, like, Oh, so one thing didn't work. Can I tell you all the things that I've done over eight years to help my son? And I'd say, you know, a lot of them didn't really work and a lot of them, you know, but that was just as important information as the other, it's like to know what doesn't work is to know what does work. So, yeah.
1: And that's true in business as well, right? It's all feedback. That's the thing.
0: Right. Um, but you know, it's a, it's to me, that's one of those excuses. Uh, oh, well that didn't work. So I don't have to, I'll just give up. You know, it's like, if failure's not optional, you're wise, big enough. You just figure out the thing that's going to work. You just keep in forward motion. huh.
1: Yeah, and taking that next step. I just want to dive in quickly and tell you about a very cool event that I am hosting, starting on Monday, the eleventh of October. It's completely free to attend. I held this event back in July and it was hugely popular. And it is all about harnessing your hormones. So this is how to really optimize your hormones for optimal metabolic health, for any of your weight loss goals, for um, controlling your hormones, any menstrual symptoms, and I also dive into how your genetics impact all of this. So it's completely. Free free event to attend. And if you want to register your place, it kicks off on the 11th of October for five days. All you need to do is go to AngelaFosterAcademy.com forward slash harness your hormones. That's AngelaFosterAcademy.com forward slash harness your hormones. I'd absolutely love to see you there. And I will be doing live training every single day that week. Um, It went down super well last time, really, really popular. So as I say, I'd love for you to join me. Just go to AngelaFosterAcademy.com forward slash harness your hormones and join me on the 11th of October. Now let's get back to the show. And as you say that visualizing yourself and how Joe Spencer describes it is so important in terms of actually feeling that sense of where you want to get to, because otherwise you see it so many times with with people that they have this huge weight loss journey and they lose it. And then it's all off. And it's almost like they self-sabotage. At least half is then going to go back on. It's it's like, why didn't we
0: stay? But it's, Mm -hmm. they didn't even knowingly did it. They did it because they were still the person who was the (laughs) overweight person. They hadn't They hadn't become the person they were, the person they wanted to be that they so sought They actually didn't step into that person. They were still stuck in the overweight identity of themselves. They didn't break free of that. And so they sunk right back over to it. You have to break all of those habits that kept you there and live like a healthy, lean person and first see yourself there, see what that life is like, and then create the whole community, everything surrounding it. Get rid of all of those clothes, like everything, get rid of your past life. It's as if you're killing it off, Right. Mm. Yeah, that's one of the most transformational things I've done. Actually, is rapid transformational
1: therapy, where you literally smash beliefs in in that meditation. Um, so let's talk now and just uh, extrapolate this into people who really actually want to look. As incredible as you do, JJ, if uh, if they can, women over 40 who are struggling, because I find this is so common and the people I see in my practice, they are struggling with weight gain, with weight loss resistance, which is something you talk a lot about, and this indelicate interaction of the balance of hormones and cortisol and some of the female sex hormones that can interplay. Can you just sort of describe summarily what's going on there, because it is a challenging time for women. Oh, and
0: it's such a <laughs> challenge and it makes me so beyond <laughs> excited to hear the term weight loss resistance being used and to talk about hormonal weight loss. So, you know, early on, literally 30 plus years ago, now I realize it was probably 35 years ago. I started talking about that. Your body is in a bank account chemistry lab, because I was working with clients and we were taught, I was in grad school. And the whole thing was, if you wanted to lose a pound a week, you created a 500 calorie a day deficit, either through exercise or calorie restriction or both which sounds super cool. Like I love math. I'm a total math person, except that it doesn't work. And Uh you know, when I first started doing it, I thought, well, gosh, I cannot believe these people are paying me to cheat. This is crazy. Right. And my clients at the time were between 35 and 55, but a lot of them were like the 45 plusers. And that is when hell breaks loose. Let's be honest. Uh So As I'm starting to realize this, like I'm first thinking they're cheating. Then I take a group away and I manage everything. I control their exercise, their diet, everything. And so what I discovered during that time was some lost weight, just like they should have. And some gained weight, huh? And some just stayed the same. And that's when I went, wait a minute, this premise couldn't be right then. What if it's not? What would be the things that could get in the way of you losing weight or even cause you to gain weight? What if it's not about calories? What if our body isn't a bank account? It's a chemistry lab. What if there's other stuff like hormones? And no one was even talking about hormones back then. We didn't talk about it with exercise. Everything in exercise was to do long, slow distance, which we now know doing loads of cardio actually can make things worse, not better. And so I started playing around with it. I started taking women to the world's gym down in Venice, Venice gold's gym. And where that was like the Mecca of bodybuilding. And they were afraid to lift weights because they were afraid they're going to get big. I'm like, you're not going to get big. You're going to change your, your whole way your body handles things. And you're going to improve your interest rate. You're going to become more metabolically charged. So the things that can get in the way of you losing weight or cause you to gain weight. Stress is a huge one. And uh, you you wonder over this last year, as so many people gained weight, was it the stress that caused them to start to eat things they shouldn't have eaten? Because stress, when you're stressed, we know that it lowers serotonin, so it's going to make you crave sugar. We know that it makes you insulin resistant so that your body's not able to burn off fat, so you're hungrier. We know that it impacts sleep, which again, makes you more insulin resistant and lowers ghrelin or raises ghrelin rather, so that you are now hungrier. So now you're more insulin resistant, you're hungrier and you're craving sugar. Now stress will do all of these things along with making your gut leaky, which then makes you more inflamed and react to more foods, right? Mm -hmm. That can then start to hurt you as well. So you go, is it, was it the stress creating the, making you eat the things you were eating? (laughs) Like which- It's a perfect storm which came first, right? Or is it all going together? So we know stress is going to impact leaky gut sugar cravings, insulin resistance. We know insulin resistance in its own is is a huge problem for weight gain because you literally can't access stored fat for fuel. You're hungry. You're better at storing fat, worse at burning it off. And then we have stress impacting your thyroid function. Well, if your thyroid function is low, it's going to impact all your sex hormones. If your sex hormones are imbalanced, you're going to be better at storing fat and it's going to be harder to burn it off. You're not going to be able to build muscle. Muscle, like if you really look at the key for metabolism, especially as we age, It's optimizing thyroid function and not listening to the dumb lab tests. I don't know what they are like in the UK, but in the US, it is absolutely amazing to me that we still follow the averages instead of the ideal because the averages Mm -hmm. are based on people who have. Thyroid problems. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's like, and they get
1: adjusted as
0: more and more <laughs> people fall in that category, the average <laughs> becomes
1: adjusted, doesn't it? So the average was really like disease before, and now it's readjusted. And I think no, people don't realize really that.
0: Mm. It's just like um, body fat percentages. So when I was in doctoral school, we had one whole semester where all we were doing was body composition, using all the different testing metrics and figuring it out. And back then, women had um, 10 to 12%. 10 to 15% essential fat. That means fat they had to have to survive. Men had somewhere between three to 5%. And then athletic males would be like in the five to 12% ratio. Athletic females would be in like the 15 to 20%. Then they considered like women, 18 to 20% was, you know, good ratio. 25% over 25% was a problem. And for men, the ideal was somewhere in the 10 to 15%, you know, up to 18. But when they got past that, it was problematic. Now, all of a sudden, it's okay to be, you know, 20 to 25%, and you don't have a problem until you're 30 to 32% body fat. I, I like, go, oh, wait a minute, we did not change. This would have to be thousands of years. You just made it acceptable to have more body fat. And guess what? I totally disagree with all of this crazy stuff going on that's saying it's okay to be overweight. No, it is not. It's okay to be overweight if that weight's from muscle, but it is not okay to be overweight if that weight is from fat because fat is not benign. Fat is its own endocrine system and it's not a pretty one. It's an endocrine system that's gonna make you a lot more inflamed. It's also an endocrine system that has another area of weight loss resistance and that is toxins. The NHANES study that was looking at all sorts of different Metrics. It was the big nurses study that was done showed that obesity was not the thing that was creating the risk for diabetes. It was actually the toxins stored in the fat that if you were overweight, over fat, but you didn't have toxins in your fat, you were not at risk for, for diabetes. It was the toxins. But the problem is we live in this crazy toxic world and toxins are stored in fat which then is gonna implicate problems with your thyroid and insulin. Those are the two big ones. And of course, estrogen, there's so many xenoestrogens around that are creating estrogen dominance that are making better people storing more fat, and especially men. So what are all the things that can get in the way of weight loss? Toxins are huge. They lower your metabolic rate. Um, we know that, and, and they do hormone disruption thyroid and insulin problems, cortisol problems, and what it does with your sleep. One poor night of sleep is going to, if you are eating healthy and exercising correctly and you're not sleeping well, you are at risk for obesity. That's how key sleep is. It's probably the most important. Um, And then genetics, of course, but like people like to lay it all on genetics and genetics is probably the easiest one to work around Mm. on all of these things because once you know these things about yourself you just know you have less of a margin for error right so you can modify and then of course all the gut stuff just the gut microbiome issues alone it's why people think they can do these diet sodas and they don't create a problem we now know it disrupts your gut microbiome and makes you more insulin resistance and can lead to diabetes yeah,
1: absolutely. know all of those things, um, which is what I share with my clients. The hardest thing I find, I don't know if you find this, is actually getting women who are kind of typical type A personalities to actually dial things back. Because when it's all happening and they feel like the weight gain is actually spreading in the wrong area, so they start to feel under muscled, they're now getting weight around their abdominal area. Their natural instinct is. Oh shoot. Now the number of workouts I was doing, you know, one workout a day is no longer enough. Now I need to layer in another one. Exactly. I'll do a hit class and then I'll go for a run. (laughs) I'll eat less. And this just raises this whole kind of stress storm that's going on within the body.
0: So counterintuitive and yet it is exactly what will happen. And I've seen it with clients. And I remember early on, um, I was reading through all this stuff and they say diets don't impact your metabolism. and go, Absolutely. A diet don, done, done wrong where you're doing heavy caloric restriction will cause you to lose muscle. So if you're doing lots of cardio and extreme dieting, you're going to really damage your metabolism. Mm-hmm. You will start to slow down your metabolic rate. It will be absolutely dependent on the next cardio session, but it will con- continue to decline because you're losing muscle every time you're doing that. So you're caloric restricting, losing muscle as you're doing that in cardio. So you can never, you, you're like a, a little mouse on a treadmill. You're gonna have to keep doing more and more and more and more and more. I had a, a client who got down to a point where she couldn't eat more than 800 calories a day without gaining weight. I'm like, all right, you are not gonna like to hear this, but you have to get healthy to lose weight. So true. She's like, oh no. And so- you know, oh, no. <laughs> like, no, no, you know, so if you're one of those people, we've got to do a metabolic turnaround here. And the way that you have to do that is get the information, what you measure and monitor, you can prove. I love the adrenal salivary index. I don't know if you can do that in the UK. Cause it, yeah, it is. you have to slap people in the face with this and go, look, look, here's another great one is someone's eating a perfect diet. They're eating, you know, clean protein, healthy fats, loads of non-stretchy vegetables, a little bit of slow, low impact carbs. So they've got good, they should have good blood sugar balance. Their triglycerides look good. Their LDL looks good. All these things look good, except their blood sugar sucks. It's higher than it should be. Their fasting blood sugar is higher than it should be. That's because of stress. So that's an easy one to determine because you're going, wait a minute, why would my fasting blood sugar be high when everything else looks good? And I've seen this, I, I like I first noticed this because a uh, I noticed it on me and I'm like, wait a minute, you know. Uh So you know, that's a good one too, to show people, um, battle. And that's easy sure here that. in the
1: UK. Cause you can easily get a continuous blood glucose monitor. And it's one thing that I noticed as well on myself. So when we had the lockdowns and I had three kids at home, homeschooling, trying to run my business, you know, <laughs> all at the same time. And I won't a continuous blood it glucose monitor on <laughs> Yeah, exactly that's easy. But my blood sugar was like two points. We measure it differently here, but it was like two points higher. And I was like, hello, this is stress for sure. Right, um, right. and actually you can see it reverse as soon as you do like, meditation gratitude you see it in real time your blood sugar goes down it's so powerful
0: crazy so it's really flipping this whole idea and this is um, actually going to be my next book is um in the u.s we have an anti-diet movement but i what i'm doing is a little different than that because i think it's more like eat what you want feel good about yourself i call bs on that here's what it is we need to look at how we use diets and we want to use diets therapeutically short term to learn things about our body so that we know what we should put into our everyday, ongoing life. So, let's say you go through and you do a, a um, vegan diet, and you go, Gosh, when I do this vegan diet, I don't feel as good. I'm more bloated. I'm having trouble maintaining my muscle. Well, your big takeaway might be, Hey, you know, I love all the plants in here and I need to add some animal protein that works better for me. Right. Then you might do when I eat animal protein, I'm feeling bloated. Hey, I need some enzymes. So I take people through on the Virgin diet. I take them through the process of healing the gut and detoxifying because you have to detoxify in order to lose fat. If you've got toxins in your fat and you don't have your detox pathways working well, and you start freeing up that fat, you're freeing up the toxins. And they won't be able to get out unless you've got good detox strategies on board. So you heal your gut, you get good detox strategies on board, and then you pull out the top seven high food intolerance foods and after you go through that whole reset to get to what normal is, so intuitively you can hear, I always hear people talk about intuitive eating. I go, unless you've done a reset where you really get their new, your new normal and feel what feeling good really feels like, intuitive eating is BS. Because you'll go, God, I feel great when I eat a ho-ho. No, you don't know that you feel great because you're eating a bunch of crap. Hmm. Clean it out. Then you go in and go, how do I feel when I eat pasta? Yeah. And I will tell you the other day, we ordered some, some takeout from a place we love that's super healthy, except that they substituted our spaghetti squash with this gluten pasta. And I was like, all right, you know what? Let's do a little trial. I'll take enzymes. I'll see what happens. Three pounds overnight. I told Tim, I go, and I had wow. like a little bit of it, but but that's that's why we use scales. It's not to get on the scale and go, oh my gosh, you blew it. It's to go, wow, look at that. I didn't eat um, you know, 10,000 calories of pasta. I ate about 100 calories of pasta, created a massive inflammatory result because of it, because gluten doesn't work well for me. So this is what we've got to do is use diets to connect the dots, to figure out these things so that we then know how we should be eating, what works best for us, right? Mm-hmm
1: yeah absolutely and as you say until you've got really healthy and you actually know what that feels like you can't tell whether something's making you feel bad because you haven't yeah. really got the night and shade to compare it to
0: no that's why um, i was laughing people go oh i must be needing magnesium because i'm craving a chocolate bar i'm like no you're just craving a chocolate bar like <laughs> you're just craving it <laughs> like just give me I ne- Get over you it must need potassium because i go <laughs> no <laughs> absolute garbage, right? That's why I had the Jolly Ranchers Watermelon County. Uh huh. Okay. (laughs)
1: Yeah. My labrador tries those excuses. (laughs) Um, now on those seven foods, I know that one of them is soy, which is a bit kind of people seem to be on either side of the camp with soy, right? It's very 50 50. Some people say, no, I've read all the studies and I think soy is okay. Other people are very much like, no, it's a GMO food. It's not great. I think we have stricter rules here in the UK. But why soy? Because I know that's oh, one gotta, of the
0: no ones. Yeah, we gotta divide the issues. So the first issue is GMO. So and corn and soy are two of the foods that are high GMO. So if we took the GMO piece of it out and went, all right, it's not GMO, it's organic. Which turns out like in the US, most of our organic soy is shipped to Japan. I go, that is so ridiculous. So if we're doing organic, a couple things that are important to know about soy. It was used like 5,000 years ago. For soil mineralization, that's what they were using it for, to help rotate the the crops. Then they discovered that if they heavily fermented it to get rid of the lectins and phytates, that they could actually, it would be digestible, they could eat it and be okay. So what does that mean? That means it needs to be heavily fermented if you are going to use it. So first thing with soy is if you are doing it, because there is some value to like phytoestrogens are a whole nother conversation and a whole controversy, but I, I like phytoestrogens. I just tend to get them from flax and sesame and garbanzos, but, um, we have an issue. The other issue with soy beyond the fermenting of it is what it does to hormones. And the one thing that I've seen over and over again, and this is why it makes me concerned, you know, it's probably not every once in a while, getting some soy. That's the issue. Now, soy sauce tends to have gluten, so get gluten-free tamari. But if you're eating on a regular basis, it can lower your thyroid function. And that is my big concern with it. And that's the big thing I've seen is when someone becomes a a vegan or a vegetarian, especially a vegan, they start to rely on soy so much and they're eating it every day. And now they're going to get those effects on their thyroid. A couple other critical things. For children, because it does have those phytoestrogen effects, they're seeing that boys are not developing like they should be, and girls are developing too quickly. And then men, men, they're seeing they did an interesting study where they looked at men eating soy three times a week, and they found that they had smaller brains than the, the other guys. So you're wondering like, what's this doing to, to testosterone, et cetera? Because men aren't supposed to have estrogenic effects, right? So mm. it's it's one of those ones that there's I think there's more questions than answers on. Um, so I don't really see the point of it, but remember in the virgin diet, it is not about never eating these foods. The virgin diet is about taking the foods that showed up most on a food sensitivity test. So I was doing food sensitive testing with doctors, teaching them how to do this. I had a course called overcoming weight loss resistance, um, 12 years ago and I was running around the country, training people, one of the things, tools I used was this test. And I was using it with my own clients as well. So I saw all the results. Now, gluten is a different type of test. On this test, you'd see wheat, but we were also doing gluten intolerance testing. So I was seeing it elsewhere. And I saw about 40% of people were reacting to gluten in that way. I think there's, it's like um, maybe 0.5% of the population is actually gluten intolerant or, or celiac, um, but a lot more gluten intolerant, and then there's just the people who are gluten sensitive, which that could be because of you know roundup that's sprayed on the crops. Um, it could be because we've hybridized gluten and genetically engineered it to make it much more gluteny. We also know that it makes your gut leakier, so you're going to react more to things, and that it uh, provokes insulin resistance. But the other foods were corn. Well, the top foods were dairy and eggs. Now here's the thing where it gets super convoluted. Is it the dairy or is it the fact that we're feeding our cows, you know, corn and soy and then injecting them with all sorts of stuff? You know, is it the fact that we are doing the same thing with our eggs, but dairy and eggs were the top offenders. And then right under that were soy, corn, and peanuts. Now, is it the peanuts? Is it the aflatoxin ap- mold? You know, is it the pesticides? We can't unpack. You could never take it all out and unpack it all. Um, but the, the way that I do this. Is set up so that you become your own food detective. And the reason I put sugar and artificial sweeteners in is because sugar and artificial sweeteners majorly disrupt the gut microbiome. Fructose makes the gut more leaky. Sugar feeds the bad uh, bacteria. Um, artificial sweeteners disrupt the gut microbiome, make you more glucose intolerant. So I put all those things in. You do a reset, you get them out. It helps to really unprocess your diet. That's the first thing. Cause you're not going to go gluten-free and then go get gluten-free cupcakes. Like that's not the point. It's to get all of that garbage out and then find your new normal and then go back and re-challenge one by one and check in with yourself. Cause the reality is I don't care what a lab test says. If you eat dairy and your face breaks out, that's the information. Mm-hmm. If you eat gluten and your weight goes up three pounds and you ate like, you know, uh, half a cup of some pasta, uh, clearly, there's a problem there. So you go through and you connect the dots. If you eat eggs, and you get bloated and have stomach cramps, right? So you just go through, I'm just listing things that happen to me. So (laughs) it's easy to do. You can figure out which foods work for you and which foods don't. And that's really critical. And it's a very empowering thing. Because the diet culture is, oh my God, I blew it today. I'm a bad person, blah, 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 all this garbage. This is, this is a different situation. This is the learning when you go out and tie one on with your friends and go, I'm never mixing champagne, vodka and uh, <laughs> Baileys again, right? You know? yeah. Those things you learn, you go, okay, well, that made me feel crappy. So this isn't something I'm gonna do on a regular basis. Maybe once in a while, I'll have a bite of birthday cake. But I'm certainly not going to be like bringing cake home every week and sprinkles cupcakes because I feel terrible when I do it.
1: Yeah. And the only way to get to know that is, as you say, is to take them out and then work out which ones you are sensitive to. I think a lot of people don't realize that. No. And I think a lot of people don't realize that actually when you're eating these foods, that again is going to inhibit your weight loss. Because if you're driving up inflammation because you're intolerant, then it's going to be difficult as well. Um, and so just I'm just curious on the exercise component of this. We talked about over-exercising. What have you found in, in terms of is that the perfect balance to get that kind of lean physique that gives you that flexible metabolism without going too far?
0: Well, there's so much more to it than just the exercise, of course. So first of all, is make sure your diet's dialed. And if you can do a fasted workout in the morning, you know, bonus points for that. Um, And making sure you're getting good sleep and good recovery. I think that is one of the key things. Like you don't work out super hard every single day. You cycle through this. Just like you're cycling your diet and cross training your diet, you've got to cross train your exercise. And you need to make sure you've got good thyroid function because if your thyroid's not working well, you're not going to be able to have build muscle well and that you've got you know good testosterone levels because again same thing and that you're not stressed because if cortisol is high you're going to be breaking down muscle which makes you catabolic you can't build it knowing all of that and then making sure you're getting adequate protein so that you have what you need the building blocks to build muscle and I will tell you that back in my 20s, when I was doing all the body fat testing, my body fat was 25%. I was working out like a maniac, like all this information wasn't available. I was like my own guinea pig. And um, I would do loads of cardio, I was training clients, running with them. I did weights four to five times a week. I taught aerobics classes. And again, 25% body fat. And I was always watching what I was eating, but I was doing a vegetarian-based diet and eating six times a day, eating very low fat, which was all the stupid information at the time. (laughs) Then, like, as I started to do all that body fat testing, I stopped being a vegetarian, I lowered my carbs, I stopped the snacking. Eventually, I got the gluten, dairy, all that stuff out as I started to connect the dots. And so now where I'm at, is I do resistance training and I've divided it into four parts, upper body pushing, upper body pulling, hips and thigh and power core. And I teach people work in your hypertrophy range, 12 reps, multiple sets so that you recruit more muscle fibers because you only recruit the muscle fibers. um, You only build the muscle fibers you recruit. You don't recruit them all the first time. So you want to do multiple sets, 60 second rest break, not too long, because it's like you're starting over, not too short, because it's like you never stopped. So I make sure I hit each muscle group at least twice a week, sometimes three times a week. And I go hard, like I do the heaviest weight I can handle in good form. If I can get to 12 reps, I up the weight. If I can't get to eight, I lower it down. And I'm always changing it up. I have a TRX, I have cables, I have weights, I like to do more of body, you know, freestanding multi-joint stuff. And then I do um cardio bursting. I have a steer master, I have a Peloton, I have an exciser, I have a step bench. So I do cardio bursting at least three times a week. And then I do yoga, which has been, you know, a big thing for me. I hate it. (laughs) I hate it. Same here. I feel like I want to go for a run after it. I (laughs) totally hate it. I sit in there, I watch the clock. So does my husband. We're both like watching the clock, watching the clock. Um, (laughs) but you know, it's I was for years, I was not, I I love lifting weights and throwing weights around and doing hard stuff. And I was at a spa in California as a speaker. And so I said, I'm going to just try all the classes. And I went to a yoga class and they all knew who I was. So this was super embarrassing because I couldn't do a thing and they're laughing. And I went, okay, you know what? (laughs) This is ridiculous. I got to get over myself and do yoga. And it's been really, really good um, and key critical. So my four things that you do are you move more. And, but that doesn't count as exercise because for it to be exercised, you have to get hot, sweaty and it should hurt a bit. So like I go paddle boarding, but to me, that's not exercise unless it's really choppy out on the bay. And I walk the dog that is not exercise It's exercise for her, maybe. And then, um, you do your resistance training each body part, at least twice a week, maybe three times 20, you know, 48 to hour or more rest break in between. And then you do your cardio bursting three, four times a week. And then you throw in some yoga flexibility core more on the restorative side than the super hard side. And then get a really great body worker massage thing a couple of times a month. And totally I gotta tell sense. you all this self-care, like, oh my gosh, I, I was like kind of outlining my ideal self-care thing. And I'm like, when do people work? <laughs> you know, how, how do you fit all this stuff in? I've got red light and sauna and, and this neck roll. And I'm like... I, yeah. How do you get
1: it all in? and get I, work? I, Well, my question time. to you is how have you managed to achieve so many things and such high levels of productivity and get the good sleep and the nutrition? How do you do that? What's your kind of secret to power productivity?
0: Well, I don't have three little kids at home right now. So it's <laughs> very true. different. Like my boys are now, gosh, they just, I was like, they just turned they're 24 and 25. So it's a whole different game now. Um, with it, but I get up now in the morning because I just went to Joe Dispenza. Now I get up and meditate, which I've never blocked time for before because I never could do it, but I somehow can do his. Um, and I, I will tell you how I get all the stuff done is I am ridiculously organized. I batch my time and anything that I don't need to do myself is delegated. And I will delegate, like I, I delegate almost everything. Um. That is the
1: trick, isn't it? It's the trick. Anything That's that can be team. done by someone else, get it done right. by someone else, basically. Right. So I wish I could delegate, yourself.
0: you know, like yoga. That would be awesome, but I haven't figured that out. But <laughs> Here's the rule of fun on delegating is if someone can do it better, faster, or cheaper, then I delegate it. That's it. Better, faster, cheaper. And I look at everything and I go, "Could I automate this? Can I delegate it or can I just get rid of it, delete it? And when Grant was in the hospital, I remember standing there that first night thinking, okay, I have to make this book go. I'm not leaving the hospital. Like how the hell am I going to pull all this off? And I realized I had to maximize my self-care so I didn't get sick because the Mm -hmm. amount of stress, like you can't walk into a pediatric ICU with a sniffle. And so I literally went, what can get off my plate? And you know what the reality is? We're doing a lot of dumb stuff. Like that we, and and you have to check in on this all the time. Like when I went, all right, how am I adding in this Joe Dispenza meditation every day? And I went, I've been doing like, just look at if you're checking social media, like all the stuff you could dump. Um, And I don't know what it's like there, but like, I don't have to go to the grocery store anymore, you know? So there's a lot of stuff you can get off your plate if you really look at it or just doesn't actually need to be done anyway. Mm that can just,
1: I think that's the other thing as well, isn't it? Focusing on the things that really do. And um, what about for someone listening, who's kind of like more of a startup and they feel that they haven't necessarily got the budget to delegate that much. Would you just say invest presumably as fast as you possibly can and outsource?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I've built all my businesses with no outside funding and all me, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> which I, I have a lot of gray hair under this, under this. Um, <laughs> But so I totally get that. And I mean, there were times that literally I was like, I didn't know how I was going to pay the mortgage. So I'm right there with you on all of that. And um, but what I've always done is, first of all, you got to look at what is my time worth and how quickly can I start having someone else do the lower cost things? And so even when I was in college, when I was at at, uh, UCLA and I hired someone, I was a personal trainer, putting myself through college. And I hired someone to do my bookkeeping and run my errands because back then I could charge $75 an hour. I could pay the bookkeeper errand runner $15 an hour and I could work more. So that's what I'm always looking at is like, what are the tasks that I can easily offload that are going to allow me to do the higher value things? Because ultimately you'll make more money. You cannot make, you know, if your time is worth a hundred dollars an hour and you're doing $10 an hour tasks, you're never going to get past that. Mm, So true. So true.
1: And before you go, um, five, just five tips that you would share then on the whole to, to look amazing, have high energy and enhance your longevity. What would be your top five things that you focus on?
0: Sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Sleep's always my big one. Sleep is that right. Sleep is like number one, biggest, 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 um, Relationships are my number two, having incredible relationships. I have like, I've, I've met my dream man in my fifties. I have a most amazing husband, but I'm also super close with my ex-husband and kids and his kids. And we have an incredible cool community. So I think relationships are one of the most important things. I think that's one of the things this last year has really showed us like what happens when you aren't connected. So I'm connection is so important. Taking time out to do something fun and play and laugh and not feel freaking guilty about it, which is another one, especially for moms. If you ask them, so what'd you do for fun? And they look at you like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, figuring out something, even if it's once a week, you know, some fun thing that you can do that's going to help with the stress. So in, in putting something in that helps with the stress, whether it's getting a dog, doing the meditation, something in there. That you can do, um, and that's four and five. Like I could keep going told like twenty, but as you can notice, that the exercise and the diet to me fall after the commitment that you make to yourself. And so, probably number five is really that commitment to to your future self that you're going to start being right now. That you are the most important thing. That. You know, because I think especially for women, we just don't go there that your self-care and your emotional health are more important than anything else. You're useless to everybody else without that. And so you're going to do what it takes to make sure that you are at the top of your game. And then the rest of that stuff is easy, honestly, because they're just strategies.
1: Yeah, and the rest will flow. That's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you? I know you're, you're, you. I see you on Instagram doing lives. Um, you obviously got another book that you're writing, um, with multiple best-selling books already. Uh, please just say where
0: everyone can come find you and your work. Okay, so jjvirgin.com for all the consumer. We are just in the process, like like literally redoing everything upgrading websites and books and coaches we're starting a new coaching program for health coaches and then um mindshare summit.com is or mindsharecollaborative.com is for anyone who's in the health business and wants to be part of a cool super cool community who are out there building their brands and making a difference
1: amazing i will link to all of that in the show notes. thank you so much jj it's thank been you. really fun Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode. As always, all of the show notes and everything we've spoken about will be over on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week and I'll catch up with you again next week.
0: Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body, and lifestyle.